yeah, you have this quiz. How woo are you? Right. And so you've taken, you, you've taken the quiz. You wrote the quiz or. I wrote the quiz. Yeah. Okay. I all was, right. it was in the process of, you know, doing what, what I just did, which is cobbling together all of the main tenets of the new age movement, which is not easy to do by the way, because it's, it's kind of all, there are no gatekeepers. It's kind of right. all over the place. There is no council of Nicaea or anybody mm. who sits down and says, this is new age. This is not new age, you know? But yeah, I thought it would be useful for me and and others who, who are reading along, or in this case, listening along to sort of place themselves on the, what I call the woo meter mm. goes all the way up from zero to 20, because there are 20 questions in this little quiz. And the, I guess the only caveat I call it the new age assessment quiz. The only caveat is that some, when I have this posted online, some people say, well, d- does it mean that all of these things are not true? Mm. Woo does not mean not true. Right. Woo just means maybe, again, just sort of outside the bounds of, of what is believed in mainstream thought or what you might get taught, say, in school. There may be a time in, in history when th- these things are not in any sense woo, you know, but currently that's where we're at. So just check all that apply or hold up a finger. You, If there's 20 questions, you'll have to obviously remember that you've gone through 10 if you've gone through all 10 fingers. And again, these are this is sort of a review of what I was just talking about. I believe that science and religion are, co- are compatible. I like Jesus, but Christianity, not so much. I've taken psychedelics or would like to. I believe that everything is connected. Number five, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I practice yoga and or meditation. I believe in angels and or spirit guides. I believe in channeling. I believe that ETs have visited Earth. Well, now we have apparently governmental confirmation of that. I talk about chakras and energy. I've had a tarot or astrology reading. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in Atlantis or Lemuria. I believe in a higher self. I create my own reality. I believe in the law of attraction. Very similar, actually. I'm a big fan of alternative medicine. I anticipate an evolutionary upgrade. I know my Enneagram type. And I've been to Burning Man where I want to go. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, author Darren Durda joins me to discuss his book, New Age Wasteland, an inside look at the dark side of woo spirituality and culture. In an extensive conversation, Darren discusses conspirituality, the woo to Q pipeline, and the dangers of toxic ideas, cults and enlightenment as a tool for manipulation, the necessity of compassion with awakening, and what the New Age movement gets right. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. Darren Durda is an artist and author of several books, including The Four Global Truths, Overcoming Empire, and his latest book, New Age Wasteland, which explores the dark side of New Age spirituality and culture. Darren holds a master's in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness from the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco and currently lives in Santa Cruz, where he illustrates children's books and occasionally creates his own. Darren, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. 
Well, thank you. And as I told you before I hit record, you have the distinct honor of being my 100th guest. <laughs> this is going to be the 100th episode. And I think it's really appropriate. And so I'm very happy that it's you. Um, thank you. And congratulations. That's that's well, that's no mean feat. It's yeah. A lot well, of and a lot of work that goes yeah, into yeah, every single episode, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard another podcaster once comment that the first 100 episodes is just practice. And so that's the approach I've been taking is I'm just practicing. And now that I've hit 100 episodes, I'm going to extend it. The first 200 are practice. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's practice, man. It's all practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly There's right. There's no that's destination. Exactly right. Yeah. So I, you know, I was really interested to speak with you uh, about your book, New Age Wasteland. We both went to the same school, the California Institute of Integral Studies. And I believe that this served as a uh, sort of the background or a prompt for you writing this book. And it's something that has been, <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot because it was during the pandemic, um, there was a listserv that we were both on that kind of exploded. And it was, I have felt that it was my fault in some ways, because I never really participated in the listserv at all. I was always kind of in the background. I think maybe once a year, I would send out an announcement about a um, community college hiring fair or something. Um, but there was one day in particular, and it started for me, I had a friend that I used to work with in high school and we're friends on Facebook. And she would sometimes come across things on Facebook that she would kind of be like, mm, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm going to, I'm going to ask Nick. So she had sent me a link to a video called Plandemic. And she oh, asked yeah. me, she's like, is this legit? So I spent several hours researching this, what was it like 22 minute or something like this video and entirely debunking it, looking at the credibility of the folks involved and taking a very close critical examination of it. And then at the end of the day, a message comes across this listserv that you and I were both on talking about pandemic. And since I had spent the whole day debunking it, I actually responded one of the very first time, one of the only times I ever did that. And then the listserv exploded and things got so contentious that the listserv got shut down. So I feel like I broke it, but <laughs> I thought that since this is something that we have in common, and I think if I remember right, you may have even shot me a very quick message at the time of support. But why don't we start with pandemic and then kind of go into its connections or how it is connected to new age thought? Yeah, it's a great starting point because it's sort of ground zero, not only on our particular listserv, but in, in terms of the what people have been calling the conspirituality movement. The creator, Mickey Willis is a bona fide conspiritualist. And that's actually a big thread that runs through my book. And it's in a way, it was a big motivating factor for writing it. I had always, I had long thought about writing a book about the new age, because having been soaking in it for so many years, you know, I saw all of its places where it was not living up to its, its own ideals, and where there were contradictions, and where there were blind spots, and all these things that I 
kept noticing, you know, there are many critiques of the new age out there and I had my own. So with that in the background, and of course, as you mentioned, we were both CIS students and in my book and, and to friends, I joke about how CIS is the Hogwarts of the new age. It's sort of the central gathering point for people of, of this, this like mind. And what's interesting is that it draws in this combination that you'll see to varying degrees throughout the new age, which is this kind of combination of open-mindedness, curiosity, combined with a certain amount of scholastic rigor, academic rigor, and I dare say critical thinking, at least in some cases. And what emerged during this whole pandemic debacle was a sort of rift between, maybe it's putting it too too directly, but a rift between the critical thinkers and those those who were not so so much, or at least what that was not a top priority of theirs. And so, yeah, we had this massive rift and this it occurred at large throughout the community, not just in our little click, but in the CIS click, but in the new age community in general. So that that is was a starting point for me to say whether well, something to that and and what what it is, and in fact, I could say this is probably the primary motivation for me in writing the book, is that there are certain new age ideas that I just don't jive with or don't agree with, but then there are some that are just flat out dangerous hmm. and and toxic. And Plandemic sort of falls into that category. And lately I've been calling it the Wu to Q pipeline because <laughs> it's sort of like if you start, there are certain new age ideas that might be just on the fringe of new age orthodoxy, which we can get into. But from that fringe, one is likely, if you are not heavily invested in critical thinking, and if you're not discerning, you might make a slide into conspiracy thinking maybe it starts with a bit of disinformation like pandemic and then it goes into conspiracy thinking and as many listeners will know conspiracy 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 theories very often have a an element an unsavory element that is usually anti-semitic or in some way bigoted in some way and then from there you may be finding yourself invading the capital i mean you you know you you're doing dangerous things you're beating people to death with a flagpole you know so so there there is you know at the very least you may be adopting some far right ideas so conspirituality as uh, most people see it and define it is this again this kind of woo to cube pipeline where at the end you you go from what is at least theoretically a sort of liberal lib left leaning ideology the new age or at least it has it has its roots in that we can get, get into that there there's a background of liberal thinking and then you make this slide into far-right politics and there are lots of ways that that can happen but it is absolutely a thing for those listeners who are seeming in, uh, incredulous at this point it is it is having done the research and now i'm spending a lot of time on tiktok so i'm, I'm seeing you know getting exposed to a lot of stuff and a lot of it is, is really quite dark. So at any rate, Plandemic, the creator, Mickey Willis, he, as I said, is a, a spiritualist. He started out in the new age, made, a, I think the name of his production company is something like Awaken. Maybe I'm getting that wrong, but it's something along those lines. It has a very new age uh, ring to it. He created this 30-minute film, as you said, that it's just full of disinformation. And it itself was quite dangerous in that it was obviously 
sort of promoting conspiracy thinking and essentially encouraging people not to get the vaccine, that it's a big plot and, you know, the people in, in power are out to control everybody, et cetera, et cetera, all the usual conspiracy stuff. But then Mickey Willis went on shortly thereafter to be one of the people on, on J6. He was at the Capitol. There is a famous clip of him where he's actually among the throng of, of people who are shouting, hang Mike Pence, you know. He, he later, you know, chanting this and while they're trying to sort of uh, break into the building. And he's there. You can see him very clearly. He, he later denied, he actually spoke that, that day as well on the same stage as Roger Stone and a few other people, also conspiritualists and anti-vaxxers and so forth. And he was on that stage. And then, and then I can't remember if it was before or after, but he was at both events. And he later denied that he, that they were saying that <laughs> he, he said in one of his tweets that he thought they were saying, Hey, Mike Pence, as though it were some kind of friendly greeting, never mind the gallows outside. And, and then he, you know, went on to make other ridiculous claims that it was Antifa and that it was, you know, it was all, it was a peaceful protest and all sort of the usual uh, right-wing talking points. So he's full on into it. He then went on to make, make another pandemic two indoctrination i think is what he called it and then yeah he's still doing that kind of far-right legwork so that's again one of my motivations for writing the book is that it went from like oh there's a lot of things in the in the you know white there's a lot of privilege and there's a lot of you know cultural appropriation and the you know, the usual criticisms that are leveled at the new age but then then i became more much more aware of how there's actually this very dangerous element. And, and I think the sad part that I'm, that I'm learning more and more from my exposure to TikTok, which is mostly primarily younger people, is that they're trying to get them when they're young. People who don't, who don't have the same kind of exposure to new age ideas and, and the context of where those ideas came from. And they're, they're, they're sort of taking most of what they see. As far as I can tell, they're taking it at face value. You know, when somebody says, uh, I'm channeling an ET, you know, they just assume that that is the person is is telling the truth. They don't, you know, or that they, that let's just say they're espousing, like there's a guy named Bashar who people might've heard of, who is really into this ancient aliens conspiracy theory stuff. And so he, you know, people, when they encounter that, they'd assume that they don't know the backstory. They don't know where he got those ideas. I mean, essentially he's just regurgitating ideas that came from David Icke and Zachariah Sitchin and, Eric von Daniken and others before him, it goes, you know, goes back quite a way. So, so without that kind of understanding of where these ideas came from, I think it's, it's easier for younger people to, to digest that material and just, again, kind of accept it at face value. And a lot of them are coming out of, I assume, the like more religious communities or evangelical communities. And so there is already this predisposition, I believe, to believing fabulous stories about talking animals and, you know, virgin births and yeah. so on. So I think there's already this, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. So that was a lot of words, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good place to start. And, and pandemic yeah. is, was it, was a real sort of bombshell and people right. scattered in different directions yeah. after being exposed to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. I, I was not aware of pandemic too. And I kind of want to see it, but I kind of don't. Yeah. You know, one of the classes I teach is critical thinking, and I'm supposed to address pseudoscience. And so I've thrown conspiracy theory in there as well. And I use pandemic. 
And I have a, it's a conspiracy theory handbook, which shows or discusses the detail, you know, the, how to identify a conspiracy theory and pandemic hits almost every single one of the points. <laughs> uh, so I yeah. feel it's important that I have students kind of watch it and analyze it because often, like you said, people will see this, but they don't have those tools. They don't have the analytical tools to spot what is false and what is conspiratorial. And I yeah. was well, and with that one, sorry to interrupt. And with yeah. that one, I just wanted to say in particular, Mickey Willis, do you have to hand it to him? He, he did it. It was a very skillful production. Yeah. Very slick, very uh, beautifully shot and edited. Mm. Uh, the background music was there to yeah. sort of draw you into the drama you know, it was very emotionally manipulative in all of those ways. And um, it was a very successful film. It was not, yeah. I think that was part of why it was so successful was that it really had this veneer of credibility and it really seemed like something that somebody with a lot of money or authority would produce rather than it right. wasn't, it wasn't a sort of YouTuber in their, in their um, parents' basement situation. Right. It was a slick, slick production. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very slick and it, boggled my mind that so many people in the new age community kind of fell for it. And, you know, speaking of January 6th, one of the primary images that we have of that is the QAnon shaman. And this is not something I expected <laughs> at all. And so Again, this is one of the main reasons why I really wanted to speak with you about your book. And it is a very good book. It goes into a lot of detail. So speaking of detail, why don't we step back for a few moments and discuss what the new you know, Shaman, is. By the way, just to, put it, just to, sorry about that. Just to put a pin on it. He is, he is sort of, I consider him to be the sort of poster boy for yeah. spirituality. For those yeah. that don't know what spirituality is, just point at that guy and say, yeah. that's what's up. A far right guy who is steeped in all of this star seed, shamanic. I've taken mushrooms. I, you know, I'm a shaman kind of, but yet I'm I'm aligned with these far right politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that before we get into the details of the new age, I think that sometimes I see, you know, we we tend to think in terms of political ideology as existing on a line, as a kind of spectrum, but sometimes it's very circular. And it's really difficult to spot when you're going from left to right sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know I had to do that when in my my salad days, after reading a lot of Noam Chomsky, I was all about anarchism. And then I started hearing a lot of the libertarians and especially a lot of the far right libertarians talking about, you know, like, who is it? Grover Norquist, you know, ground the mm. government in the bathtub. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait went a to minute. Burning Man. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This sounds a lot like what I was. No, I can't. No, I think government does serve a purpose. And I'm glad I caught myself, but I could definitely see how easy it is if you have that model of it being kind of circular rather than linear, that you can fall prey to some really questionable ideologies. Yeah. Um, Libertarianism is a good, is an excellent example yeah. because it, it's a it's an admixture of certain left traditionally left ideas and some traditionally right conservative ideas and but it tends at the end of the day it tends very heavily towards the right side of the spectrum at least where it where where things matter or where where it's causing the most harm yeah yeah for sure 
So let's get into the new age. So for anyone who is unfamiliar, what is the new age movement? <laughs> Easy uh, question. Million dollar <laughs> question. Yeah. There are a lot of ways to approach it. This, this, I was trying to think of this morning as I was making my coffee, just sort of what, what is the elevator pitch sort of thing. And the, the, the simplest, most succinct, succinct definition I can think of is alternative spirituality. And that is alternative meaning, obviously alternative to traditional religion. So one of the main defining factors of the movement is that it is a reaction to and an approach to organized religion that says we reject all the trappings of organized religion. We, we, we reject all of the ideology and the dogma. And instead, we are going to sift through those belief systems and pick and choose what it is that is beneficial beneficial to us so there is this mentality of kind of it's kind of a spiritual shopping mall for which it is also criticized because it very often leaves out certain elements of given religions that are actually quite important like mm. for example it might leave out entirely the ethical component of something of, of a given system and just adopts the practices believing that you know sort of the the main goal is to experience 5d consciousness or enlightenment or whatever so that gets into another big talking point of the movement is that it's very much focused on mysticism or a direct experience of of the divine in fact the one of the major defining uh, characteristics of the movement is the spiritual but not religious thing so again mm -hmm. it relates to the, the first point but it's it's the idea of sort of rejecting the trappings of religion while embracing the non-dogmatic spiritual parts of those of those traditions there is a big component that is invested especially nowadays with yoga and wellness that is a very big overlap of the venn diagram almost to the extent where that one could say that they're almost the same thing there is an emphasis on alternative healing so there's a history to all of these trends that we can also talk about that that goes primarily back to the new thought movement of like the early like the 1830s and 1840s and, and beyond, where there was a guy named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby who basically believed that all illness was caused by some kind of psychological disturbance. So there is there is a, a thread that comes through. And of course, that also these days morphs into another big component of New Age, which is the whole law of attraction manifestation mm -hmm. stuff. It's it, New thought was essentially, to boil it down, was really about mind over matter. So the, if you if you believe that you quote unquote create your own reality or that at least you have significant influence on your your reality in the way that a an occult magician would then you are probably in the new age there is also a belief in extraterrestrials that is actually something that i before starting research on this book that i myself hadn't hadn't really delved into that deeply i mean i've always been kind of interested curious about ufos and all that but I, I, I guess I learned more than I it was, I was became more aware of how integral that is to at least the modern uh, new age movement, but it does go all the way back to the originator of the movement who I trace all the way back to a guy named Emanuel Swedenborg, who was writing in the, in the 1760s and 70s before that, even 50s and 60s. And he, so we're talking over 250 years ago. He, one of the things that he, he was a Christian mystic but he visited other planets and he talked to people on venus and so forth so there already there's this extraterrestrial from the from the get-go and, and of course that 
became more prevalent during the middle of the 20th century when we were actually engaged in a space race with the Russians and outer space was really, you know, kind of a um, major theme. And these days that that particular strand manifests as star seeds, people who believe they've actually come from another planet and have been sent to Earth to, you know, help wake people up and help them escape the matrix and all this kind of stuff. There's a strong belief in the new age about reincarnation that comes a lot from its reliance on Eastern religion. And I guess I would sort of put myself in that camp because I'm coming primarily from a Buddhist perspective. If I had to identify religiously, philosophically, I would say Buddhism is is sort of my jam or at least my, my background. And that is that Eastern influence comes largely through Blavatsky although it comes from other places as well. You know, they were all the transcendentalists were in America were, were, into, were into Eastern religion. Astrology, of course, as you know, is a big important part of the New Age movement. Roe kind of related to that. There is a belief in, in channeling. That's pretty central. A lot of the core, the core works of the New Age movement like A Course in Miracles, for example, these are all channeled texts downloaded from some higher source. And that goes back to the spiritualism movement, which is, again, in the same same time, roughly as New Thought, 1830s, 1840s, people started doing seances and believing you know, in their living rooms and, and believing they were contacting dead relatives and so forth. And, and actually, the spiritualist movement, which really was big during the civil war and you know because people wanted to contact their their fallen family members people who had died in the war and actually very popular after world war one as well and then it sort of petered out but it still you know filters through the new age spirit you know spiritualism and, and basically divine beings angels spirit guides higher self you know all of these kind of entities that are perceived to be outside of oneself and that can guide us you know it, it's in it's in Blavatsky's work as well that the ascended masters, you know, so there are in the new age movement, there's a very strong belief that there are other forces, other beings who are sort of helping this uh, enterprise of human evolution. And that brings us to the the main thing, which the new age is all about, which is right in the name, the new age it is, it is right. uh, there is a very strong belief that we are entering into some uh, period of human evolution of unity and peace and, and, you know, all the good things, the, the sort of heaven on earth that everyone has always dreamed about. And, and that is, that's, that's core, that's central. I mean, if you approach it from the astrological perspective, then we're talking about the age of Aquarius, which as some people probably know, is the, there are astrological ages that have to do with precession of the equinoxes. It's somewhat complicated, but in any way we're, we are on the cusp of, or moving into, or already arrived into this new age, which is said to be characterized by a kind of more democratic, egalitarian, grassroots approach to everything, to human organization and civilization, rather than the previous age, which was the age of Pisces, because precession, you're moving backwards through the zodiac. So in, in the age of Pisces, astrologers believe that it was a time of rulers and authoritarianism and kings and queens and princesses and uh, basically a sort of top-down governance and people from outside of one's source telling you what to do and telling you what to believe, essentially. Mm -hmm. And in theory, New Agers believe that we are moving out of that 
into a more, again, a, a more egalitarian. But what I'm finding, you know, what I have found in being in the new age and being immersed in these ideas is that unfortunately we're carrying over so many of the, those, the authoritarian tendencies. I call it spiritual authoritarianism. And mm -hmm. to me, it is the idea that you're getting your spiritual truths from something external, generally something quote unquote higher. And so for example, channeling, I believe that's totally spiritual authoritarianism, whether or not it's happening, whether it's actually true, no doubt some listeners will say, I'm channeler. I know people who do channel. The point is that, at least in my mind, if we are going to believe the age of Aquarius, or if, we're, or if we're going to even think about it as some kind of meaningful abstraction even, why not sort of de-emphasize things like channeling, which is, again, telling us that spiritual authority is outside of ourselves, that it's somewhere out there. And in any case, it's just a faith claim anyway. It can't be verified. It's exactly like saying you know, that making any kind of metaphysical claim, you know, you, when somebody says I'm channeling something, you have to trust them. There's no, you know, there's no way to actually verify it. I mean, apparently by the people with Bashar, they have done brain scans on him. And when he, he's, by the way, claims to channel an extraterrestrial named Bashar, he, Daryl, Daryl Anka, he's a, he's a Hollywood guy, actually a special effects artist. And he's really into science fiction, which, you know, worked on a lot of science fiction films. But apparently in his brain scan, they found a lot of activity in certain parts of the brain that are not normally active. And to me, that's like, well, yeah, obviously people can go into altered states in various ways. Certainly doesn't prove that he's channeling. Enough. So in any case, it's, it's again, it's kind of a faith claim. And I personally am hugely allergic to faith claims. And that's, in fact, one of the reasons why I left organized religion, why I left, I grew up as a Christian Catholic to be specific. And, you know, I deconstructed and got out of that whole thing when I was in high school. So it pains me to see similar things happening in the uh, new age, because one of the reasons that I found refuge and found nourishment in, in the new age is that it, it sidestepped a lot of those things. So mm -hmm. that brings me into one last thing that I might want to touch upon in this long-winded answer, which is that the new age is very much always attempted to synthesize science and religion or science and spirituality. And that goes again, all the way back to Swedenborg. That was one of his main claims is that science and religion are compatible. And looking at the history of the new age, what you will see, and even modern, you know, modern new age, you will see that that is a very rocky relationship. You know, it's, it's a beautiful claim. It sounds good. We all want it to be true. Those of us who are both spiritual and scientifically minded, we desperately want that to be true. But there are so many instances in the history of, of the new age and in the current new age where there is a di direct conflict and you pretty much have to choose, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, one, one example that I, that I can give is Atlantis, mm. right? This is a common belief that comes, you know, it, the, the, the myth of Atlantis has goes way back to Plato and is picked up by different authors of the, you know, middle ages and then within the new age picked up by Blavatsky. And she was one of the people who was, who made the claim that Atlantis was a real place rather than a, a an, a, an analogy or, or just a, a myth that, that has, you know, most myths have a certain kind of moral to the story, right? In this case, Plato's, the claim was that uh, Plato's original story had to do with, you know, getting too arrogant, too hubristic, 
you know, uh, and that, you know, if you, if you do that, you will, your civilization will perish. Essentially, that was the, the message that he was trying to get across. But certain thinkers thought, no, Atlantis is a real place. And I bring up the example because obviously there is no archaeological proof of Atlantis or certainly nothing definitive. There are some things, oh, this suggests that, or this could be that, or, but you won't read about it in a history book. And you won't read about it in, in science class. Oh yes, there was Atlant there were the Atlanteans and here's how they behave. That is, you know, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is not because it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, you can believe that if you want, but Occam's razor is going to say, no, it's because it's not true. But the reason I bring up that example is because people like Steiner, who again was who was a who was a uh, disciple of Blavatsky, he believed that the Akashic records were true. He was one of these people, by the way, who firmly believed that science and religion were compatible. But whenever something like that came up, like, well, actually, there's no evidence for it. Well, he would say, well, I saw it in the Akashic records. There was this conflict. And in each case, he would choose the spirituality. He would say, well, that information is only available through meditation. It's it's at some higher level, mm -hmm. a different level of knowing than our consensus reality. You know, what do you do with that? I'm just, I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. You know, it's just, yeah. I... What I personally do is I say, well, I'm sorry, you know, we, we live together on this earth. We have to figure out a way to discern what is true. And we have something called science that really helps us do that. It is an imperfect system. It's not, it is, you know, it, it has its holes and its uh, shortcomings, but it's the best we got. Hmm. It is by far the best we got. And uh, if we want to, you know, if you want to engage in flights of fancy or whatever, that is totally fine but as soon as you a subjective flights of fancy but as soon as you say start saying that it's subjectively true and furthermore demeaning those who say well actually it's not there's no evidence for it oh but i've received it from some higher you know i'm coming my source is higher than your source. as soon as we engage in that yeah i think we we obviously have an epistemological impasse so anyway i i thought about this since we're on the subject of of all of the beliefs of the new age, I thought about perhaps administering my quiz, which is on page five mm. of my book, mm. called How Wu Are You? And we can do yeah. it quickly. Yeah, but... well, can I ask just real quickly, what is the connection? Where did the uh, term Wu come from? Because I first heard it about mm, 20 years ago, I think, is the first okay. time I heard Wu. And it got associated or was associated with sort of new age thought. So where did that come from? I don't know the actual source, but woo-woo, okay. as it is sometimes called, I shorten it to woo in my book, is the shorthand version for the sound that is made in certain science fiction films, especially from the mm. 40s and 50s, 50s, 60s, Lost in Space and so on, where right, right. it's it's the sound of the theremin. It's the theremin uh, that goes yeah. <laughs> the thing that you can control right. the pitch and the volume by the proximity of your hands. So that is the woo sound, right? But it, mm. it has come to, through the magic of language, it has come to refer to anything that is outside the boundaries of established thought. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's what I, that, yeah, that's what I was looking for is that explanation. And I think sometimes with origins of things, they have a life of their own and you can't pinpoint them, but yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah, you have this quiz, how woo are you, Right. And so you've taken, you, you've taken the quiz, you wrote the quiz or I wrote the quiz. Yeah. Okay. 
I was, right. it was in the process of, you know, doing what, what I just did, which is cobbling together all of the main tenets of the new age movement, which is not easy to do by the way, because it's, it's kind of all, there are no gatekeepers. It's kind of right. all over the place. There is no council of Nicaea or anybody mm. who sits down and says, this is new age. This is not new age, you know, but yeah, I thought it would be useful for me and, and others who, who are reading along, or in this case, listening along to sort of place themselves on the, what I call the woo meter goes all the way up from zero to 20 because there are 20 questions in this little quiz. And the, I guess the only caveat, I call it the new age assessment quiz. The only caveat is that some, when I have this posted online, some people say, well, d- does it mean that all of these things are not true? Mm-hmm. Woo does not mean not true. Right. Woo just means maybe again, just sort of outside the bounds of, of what is believed in mainstream thought or what you might get taught say in school. There may be a time in, in history when th- these things are not in any sense woo, you know, but currently that's where we're at. So just check all that apply or hold up a finger. You, If there's 20 questions, you don't have to obviously remember that you've gone through 10 if you've gone through all 10 fingers. And again, these are this is sort of a review of what I was just talking about. I believe that science and religion are, co- are compatible. I like Jesus, but Christianity, not so much. I've taken psychedelics or would like to. I believe that everything is connected. Number five, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I practice yoga and or meditation. I believe in angels and or spirit guides. I believe in channeling. I believe that ETs have visited Earth. Well, now we have apparently governmental confirmation of that. I talk about chakras and energy. I've had a tarot or astrology reading. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in Atlantis or Lemuria. I believe in a higher self. I create my own reality. I believe in the law of attraction. Very similar, actually. I'm a big fan of alternative medicine. I anticipate an evolutionary upgrade. I know my Enneagram type. And I've been to Burning Man or want to go. Hmm. By, by that metric, Grover Norquist, who you mentioned earlier, would would qualify because he's been wow. yeah, yeah yeah for sure so my score i i've taken the quiz before and i scored lower this time um, you than when you i did before when i think that partly that's because i had questions in the questions themselves yes and so this time i scored 11 which according to your scale is i'm getting there before I believe I scored 14, which was you're in the club. And depending on how the questions are intended, I could very well be in the top tier with be me up, Scotty. Um, yeah. But, There's a lot of interpretation of what I encourage yeah. people to do is, is to not think about it too much. Right. Right. Sort right. of give, you know, give the gut, whatever comes first in your mind, just let yeah. that be the answer. Yeah. I should probably give the scale. So zero to four, better luck next time. Five to eight, ask your metaphysician if you're new if the new age is right for you. Nine to twelve, you're getting there. Thirteen to sixteen, you're in the club. And seventeen to twenty, beam me up, Scotty. Right. You are very woke. Yeah. I for yeah. is to be totally transparent, I scored a fourteen as well, which I think is what you said you scored the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm and in I, the club sort of barely. Yeah. Well, I would say that I'm in the club, I guess. But, you know, one of the things that you noted in the book and I wanted to ask you about is that often people who are in the club are reluctant to identify that they are in the club. 
Yeah. Why do you think um, that is? Well, I think the, the new age is often, is certainly by the mainstream or by scientifically folks, it is uh, ridiculed and, and castigated. One doesn't want to immediately put on a label like that. I mean, first of all, most people are just averse to labels in general and would, would rather avoid them if they if they could. But especially with the new age, which again, is, is sort of pretty widely ridiculed, uh, at least in certain in certain quarters. And and these days, you just don't even really see the term used very much. I mean, I, I think I consider sort of the height of the New Age movement to be like the 80s mm. and, you know, probably into the 90s. And 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 now we have it's still going, but it, it's sort of tweaked and distorted in, in such a way that it's hard to call it the New Age, but it's the same set of ideas. So I think it's safe to do that. But yeah, I think it has to do with nobody wants to be the butt of the joke, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're yeah. a New Age. Well, I think there's, I mean, there's value in some of the ideas and some of them, I just want to tweak a little bit to get the value. So for example, the whole law of attraction and I create my own reality. Now, I don't believe that I create my own reality. I believe that I can affect my own reality. I think my thoughts play a huge part in the reality that I experience, but Absolutely. you know, if, if I could create my own reality, I could fly and shoot, you know, lightning out of my fingertips and I can't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the law of attraction to some extent, I think, and it's like you had noted that they're very similar is I do think that the thoughts that I have and the attitudes that I have go a long way in determining the reality that I experience, right? So I think that there's positives in there, but it's, it, it's, it can be it can be hugely empowering when somebody first encounters that set of idea if they're used, especially if they're used to feeling powerless, right? Maybe they've been grown up in a religion or or a or just the family or a set of circumstances that in which they feel they don't have much agency over their life. It can be hugely empowering to say, oh, actually, I do have agency. I create, I at least influence my life. Now, I think the problem, as you so eloquently stated, is that the there is truth in it. And the truth is that it gets dramatically overstated, which unfortunately is true for many New Age beliefs. There's a, there's a kernel for of truth in all of the things, many of the things, actually, some of it is just pure garbage but <laughs> some of it is there's a lot of truth to it but it's sort of like a conspiracy theory conspiracy theory always contains some grain of truth that is then warped right. or distorted to create a, a different a narrative that the initial point of reference does not reference it does not doesn't take you there but you people want to go there so with create your own reality it's very similar obviously as you said we we influence our reality we shape our reality we participate in our reality we might even say metaphysically in some way that we co-create reality, all right. of us yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. But the new age, one of its major criticisms, not just from me, but from lots of directions, that it's a very narcissistic, can mm. be a very narcissistic enterprise. You know, really strong emphasis on self-actualization and self-improvement, which is, you know, nothing wrong with that. But if it's at the expense of, you know, other things, and especially if it's it's done with an, with an ignorance or a not being aware of the immense privilege that goes into self-actualizing. There are so many people on the planet that are still on 
Maslow's that the, on the bottom of the hierarchy is still looking for safety and security, shelter, food, you know, I mean, so at any rate, the, there is that there is uh, validity to some of the ideas. You take it too far, then you get into extremes. I mean, on its, on its far extreme, it's solipsism. It's the idea that I'm the only person in it. You're an illusion. This whole thing is an illusion. This, all of this is fake. I'm the only one who exists. I am in a sense, God, maybe I am God. And therefore I get to create whatever I want. You know, I don't see how anybody who believes that wouldn't just immediately run up against the, the limitations that you noted. Like, no, I can't do anything that I want. I am bound by something called reality. And it's, even if it's an illusion, it's a damn stubborn, persistent illusion that we all have to contend with and that we, we share. And you know, there are also limitations that have to do with my cultural program, my upbringing, my sociological status, all kinds of things that are not factored into the law of attraction. So my biggest critique with it is that it's socially regressive. It can very much go in the Wu to Q pipeline because yeah. it relies on, it basically ignores, or at least it denies or, or at least ignores systemic problems and systemic inequality. It right. assumes that all of us have the same capacity to reach our goals, for example, simply by thinking correctly. Worse yet, it, it tends to blame the victim. So if, right. you, if you are creating all the wonderful things in your life, you are also, according to this ideology, you are creating all of the bad things in your life. You're creating all of the tragedies. You are, in some sense, bringing upon yourself abuse, trauma, rape, you name it, all of those things are forgiven in, in this, right. they are, in, in, in fact, they're ignored at the extreme, which is, I think, or not even the extreme, solipsism, as I said, is the extreme, but, but on the, the further end of the spectrum, there, there is no accounting for victimization of any kind. Right. And, you know, and again, there is some truth to that. It's, a, we don't want to wallow in a victim consciousness for sure. But in this ideology, there is literally, there is no such thing as a victim. And that, that's where I start seeing that it is not only politically regressive because of the lines with the, with the ideology of the far right, but also it's just cruel and, yeah. it's, and it's dehumanizing. I mean, you're going to tell a, a, a five-year-old with bone cancer that they're just not thinking correctly. Right. And that, you know, essentially it's your fault or you, you wanted this, you brought this upon yourself, you know. Just this morning, I got a message from somebody on one of my social media saying, yeah, this is my, it was in response to a video about the law of attraction. And, and I was saying that it, she's somebody who has a terminal illness. And she said, she's always felt uh, a lot of shame and guilt when she encounters this, because it essentially is telling her that she, you know, wanted this, she asked for this, this illness and she can't, you know, she feels bad that she can't pray herself out of it or manifest her way out of it, you know, and, you know, just to be you know, go full, full circle on this, there are new age teachers, Esther Hicks and so on, who are really into the law of attraction, who have explicitly blamed the Jews for the Holocaust. Right. They have said, yeah, there was, a, you know, people push up against this obvious, you know, shortcoming, moral shortcoming in this, in this uh, viewpoint. And they are for, if you believe that ideology, you're forced to admit, yes, the right. five-year-old who, who has cancer, bone cancer, actually did bring that upon themselves. And, and that is to me just unspeakably cruel. And one last thing about that, which I just found out about recently, I didn't even know about this. One of the new age teachers who's really into law of attraction stuff, there's so many. In fact, if you're not doing law of attraction in, in the new age, or at least have something substantial to say about it, I, I would say you, you don't, you're not even in the club. 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's such a core thing, at least these days. There's a teacher named Dolores Cannon, and she is now deceased, but she had this idea. Apparently, she, she, she's a hypnotherapist, so apparently she got all of her ideas from her patients, and people will claim, well, she's not actually, these are not her teachings, these are things that she, but she advanced all of these ideas, so I call her a teacher. But at any rate, she had this idea that if you create your own reality, then that demands that in certain situations, like when you go to the store, there are extras. Hmm. There are people who are not even real people. They are avatars or they're, they're holograms or whatever. They're, you know, they're, they're, she called them backdrop people. Hmm. So how dehumanizing is that? I mean, that that is setting people up for fascism. That right. is setting people up for the extermination uh, of entire groups of people. You know, I mean, I'm sure she didn't intend it that way, but it is, it is a toxic idea right. that, and, you know, most of this is about ideas. I try not to attack particular teachers and particular, mm -hmm. you know, people, but rather it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ethical pragmatist in, in the way that William James was an ethical, ethical pragmatist in that, in that tradition. The, the the worth of something is the, any kind of claim like that you create in reality has both a truth factor how truthy is it <laughs> and it also has an ethical factor with what is the cash value of that belief hmm. whether or not it's true if if you believe in it what does it bring forth what what benefit right. does it does it add to the world and this to me is something that has no cash value whatsoever in fact it's dangerously dehumanizing to believe that yeah. we're walking around create in some in some reality or maybe it's a simulation that's the new the new idea in the new age but either way it, it entails people who are not real mm. and you know what is what is to pre prevent somebody from just thinking that certain people are, are expendable or you know exterminated right. right. and be genocided or whatever so just to one final point that to make that sort of Put an exclamation point, punctuation point on the on the ethical ethical pragmatism thing. The Buddhist traditions, for example, encourage everyone to encourage you to view everyone that you meet, or even strangers, people you haven't met, as somebody who used to be your mother. Hmm. Okay, and if your relationship with your mom is is not so good, maybe think about somebody else who who is very very dear to you, a lover, a really dear friend, just somebody who every time you think about them, you just you're just filled with warmth and love. That relationship was present in with every other being at some point, since we all lived countless lifetimes, you know. Someone can say, well, okay, maybe that's not true. Fine, but it has immense ethical value to think that way, to to condition your mind to think that way and to approach every new relationship, every or to see every stranger as someone who you once dearly loved that to me is a way to cultivate compassion uh, because at the end of the day that's to me what it's all about specifically how you know what and i've made videos about this as well but the the cash value of any belief system whether it's new age or buddhism or whatever is how does it condition you or uh, help you to treat others well so ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. If it's helping you to be a more patient, kind, compassionate person, and specifically how you approach others, and even more specifically, how you approach people who are less 
fortunate than you mm. and less powerful than you. Yeah. Uh, this would include, this would certainly include how do you deal with your waitress? You're in a position of power. In how do you, do you treat your waitress with kindness? Do you, how do you treat your children or children in general? How do you treat animals? Politically, how do you treat people who are less fortunate than you? How do you people, how do you treat marginalized groups? Yeah. How do you treat the LGBTQ plus community and trans people? This is important because that's, again, that's to me, that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's where so many new age teachings in, at least in my estimation, fall completely short. Yeah. Regardless of, of their truth claims. Again, this is, this is the point, regardless of the veracity of some of these claims believing in them from what i from from my own experience does not bring one closer to that kind of compassion that i'm discussing that i'm talking about compassion towards those who are less fortunate yeah yeah you had a, a quote that i noted from uh, your book uh you wrote that practicing yoga and meditation preaching the gospel of wellness or engaging with other new age rituals and ideas does not automatically make one a virtuous person and I think that's absolutely correct. And I have something I want to say to that end as well. But I wanted to note, I had Mitch Horowitz on the show quite a while back now. And he has, he identifies as new age and he is, he just welcomes the moniker. But he also recognizes that there are problems to the new age. And one of those problems is in the, the term doesn't quite work, but it's a theodicy, you know, because it's what you were just saying is that if we create our reality, you know, there's all this victim blaming and how do you answer this problem of suffering? And so when I had him on the show, that's what I was trying to get him to explore. And he did a great job with it was, you know, what is the, you know, let's critically examine some of these claims because I see that is something that's missing often in the new age movement is people will accept these claims, but then there's not a lot of inquiry as to whether or not those claims ought to be accepted or not, uh, mm. whether or not they're true. Uh, often it is, well, I like the sound of it, so I'm going to accept it. I create my reality and kind of go with it. And then you can kind of cherry pick the evidence to get, you know, it's a confirmation bias, right? And so I think that, you know, and we'll kind of end with some of the positives of new age. And I think that that can kind of play into it, that it has to be, the claims have to be tested a little bit. You know, if you want to have that merging of science and spirituality, you have to test it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And again, it, it, there is, to me, and I, it sounds like you're maybe agreeing is that there is along with the veracity of something, again, there is the, you know, what, what is, if we adopt this belief, mm -hmm. where will it get us? Will it help us right. solve some of these deeper problems of human existence? Of, like you said, where does evil come from? That is the vexing question that has been on the minds of human beings since the very beginning. Traditional religion does not do a very good job of answering that question, by the right. way. You know, right. if God is all knowing, why does he allow Satan and why does he allow five-year-olds to have bone cancer and and, right. and children to to be sexually violated and you know all kinds of horrible things? Why is that is that happening? And there there really is no good answer. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the sort of uh, vexing part is that you know 
the, the simplest explanation or, the, or the, the, the simplest fact that we all have to come to terms with is that bad stuff happens. Right. For no reason that we can we can discern. I and mean, of course, we can make meaning out of it. We can always make meaning out of, of anything. And and it's very healthy to do this. But we have to accept the 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 impersonal cruelty, we might say, of, of the universe, that there are these horrible things happening to people who seemingly are quite undeserving. Now, that is exactly why, so the, the, the new age belief in create your own reality, that is in response, in partly a response to the Odyssey. It's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's the new age version of karma. Right. It's the traditional version of karma is something along it's notoriously hard to define but <clears throat> something along the lines of you reap what you sow when in past right. you whatever action that you created in the past is having ripple effects on the present and the future we're all living out karma that has been generated not only this lifetime but in previous lifetimes and it's a way of saying again you sort of get what you what you deserve somebody who is you know agonizing or perplexed over why why their child has gotten a terminal illness it's supposed to form to, to provide some kind of comfort, you know, yeah. Oh, in some past life, they were a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't really provide solace to, to, right. you know, to the parents or to the child, you know, to think that, but the new age, you create your own reality is very much along those lines. It's the idea that obviously, and again, there is some, obviously some obvious truth to that. Whatever yeah. I'm doing now, whether it's a state of mind or an action, is going to have ripple effects. It's going to determine the next course of action in my life, you know, like the movie Sliding Doors or whatever that is. You make a choice mm -hmm. and you end up over here versus, and sometimes it's a minor choice that ends up really having a major effect on, on your life. So I get while, you know, as far as I can tell, that that's the, the new age, that's their best shot. Right. At the Odyssey, it's their 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 most valiant effort towards explaining. But again, like traditional religions, I'm afraid to say that it it falls short. It right. it, it again, it, in fact, it it engages in not only falls short, it it it's it's harmful again because of the blame the victim thing, and it's there is no way out of that situation. Obviously, if you if you if you have a terminal illness or bone disease, or whatever, and you're a small child, you know what what do you do with that? So really, again, it just comes back to this idea of acceptance and and um, coming to terms with the radical uncertainty right. of being alive. And at the end of the day, I think that's really what it's all about is uh, how well, how gracefully can one sit with this radical unknowing and this radical sense of nobody knows what's going on right. <laughs> and right, right. Uh, why any of this is happening. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. You know, it's not some, you know, we can't answer the, why do the innocent suffer, but just acknowledge that they do. And the, what's important is the response to that. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. We, we have the choice. That's what's within our power to do. We, are we compassionate? And we sit, do we sit with all of that grief and we sit with the parents and just let them have their feelings or do we, make up some story that is ultimately designed to make them feel better, but makes them feel worse, right, right? which is, oh, well, she asked for this. Yeah. Little Trisha, she asked for this um, disease in some yeah. previous lifetime. And so that doesn't help anybody. You know, it just. No. 
No, and what I hear more and more now is this idea of soul contracts. And I find that to be pretty egregious too, that, you know, before I incarnated, I decided that, well, yes, I will be a five-year-old with leukemia and, or, you know, I, I will be a 12-year-old who's been raped by my father. And it seems like it doesn't answer the question and it lets a lot of people off the hook. Um, yeah, because that's, that's another big, big part of it is that it's, there's no sense of, if you, if you, if there are no victims then there could be no perpetrators either. Right. And if there right. are no perpetrators, there can be no justice. Right. There can be, you know, what is, if, if we based, let's just say, if we based society on those ideas, mm. we would have a very messed up society in which nobody right. was held accountable. You know, you might believe in, in karma or divine justice or whatever, but in terms of our earthly existence, we obviously have to have laws and systems in place that put, that make people accountable. So, to me, it's toxic. It sounds like, again, like you're agreeing. It's toxic to believe that there are no victims, no perpetrators. There are people who do horrible things and should be held, held, held accountable. Uh, just as the victims deserve compassion, support, mm. and and justice. That's part of yeah. what they deserve is is for their perpetrators to be held accountable. You know, and right. yeah, it's it's. It's it's a conundrum. I I admit that, but it's it's also fairly easy resolved. I think if if you just approach it the way you just suggested, which is we get to respond, right. and and in fact our response is the important thing. It is what determines our how good we are being a human being. Yeah. To, to put it yeah. bluntly. Yeah. Well, and I think that you know it one is it demonstrates this sort of lack of critical thinking because like with the soul contracts, the way I've heard it expressed is that, you know, your higher self says, Oh, well, I need to have this experience. And it's like, well, but if the higher self acknowledges this, doesn't the higher self already know what, then why? And it's like, it's just wooly headed thinking. And to quote Buffy, you know, wooly headed thinking leads to being eaten, but yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I do talk about it a little bit in my book, but what you're pointing to is that there are just some obvious logical inconsistencies mm-hmm. as well. It really doesn't make right. sense when you when you start unraveling the philosophy behind it. It's right. philosophically untenable. It really right. doesn't make sense. I mean, even the idea that you brought up earlier, the soul, soul contracts, you know, if people in the new age are very fond of saying things like, well, I chose the family that I was born into. Yeah. And again, it it makes sense. One can understand why one would, want to have this agency but then it also entails that your parents and everyone else in your family necessarily had to choose you there was no option mm. for them to say no thanks yeah <laughs> not this time around nope i don't want to be the father and mother of somebody with leukemia you know no thanks you know what whatever um the choice is um so so what you end up if you follow it through to its logical conclusion philosophically you end up with predeterminism you end up yeah. with you end up with everything is already the script is already written and we're just playing our parts which is the exact opposite of what it sets out to do it sets out to empower people in their lives and to emphasize and uphold the sanctity of free will and choice and personal responsibility and and all of that is is great you know there's nothing wrong with 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 those values and those ideas obviously again it's there's truth to the fact that we are we are participating in our reality and that we need to feel empowered 
in order to do that. And that can be immensely helpful to think that way. But again, if you tease out all the philosophy to its end, there are numerous contradictions that ultimately it falls apart. Yeah. Well, and I think that there is, and I, and I think that, that this may be the connection or a connection between some of the new age thought and even some of the <laughs> woolly headed thinking and conspiracy is this idea of the evolution of consciousness and even ideas of awakening, because the way I see people referring to awakening is, you know, it, it's that they know, you know, that they're claiming to have knowledge of something and that everyone else or these previous ideas are false. And I, I can see where that would give them a sense of power, but yet just having knowledge isn't sufficient. And you've kind of mentioned this several times without an ethic. And it seems to me that this is where, or one of the primary ways that the new age uh, is susceptible to that kind of conspiratorial thinking because there's a knowledge without an ethic. Yeah. Well, again, the contrast is Buddhism, which is in most of the traditions, at least there is the idea that the Buddhist path is wisdom and compassion. Right. So the wisdom is the knowing. It's sort of knowing what the how reality works, in a gen, at least in a general sense, at least knowing how one's own mind works. Mm. And then the compassion is at the end of the day, what is the wisdom? If the wisdom is supposed to be supporting compassion, they're supposed to be, you know, they work together. And I don't see a lot of emphasis on compassion. Certainly there are a lot of new ages who are very compassionate, no question. And there are certain ideas which can help foster that, but it's not a, it's not a primary tenet. It's not mm -hmm. something that shows up in, in all contexts. In fact, the opposite very often shows up, the cruelty. Mm -hmm. But that is definitely, as you mentioned, that is part of the conspiracy mindset is that conspiracy theories are, there are lots of things, but one of the things that they are is a narrative that helps people feel, first of all, more in control of this radical uncertainty we were just talking about. You know, it, it gives, it provides a story, a framework for, oh, why are these bad things happening? Oh, because of the bad people, X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z, the new world order, whatever, right. uh, people at the top, you know, so it, it, it sort of makes something that's radically complex into something that's easily digestible. But mm -hmm. another thing that it does is that it makes one feel special as though they have secret knowledge they have uh, knowledge that nobody else have has access to and 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 that points to me to what i call spiritual supremacy there there is a lot of that in in the new age movement this idea that you know i'm more evolved than you i'm more awake than you i'm more knowledgeable than you it definitely shows up in the conspiracy world but it shows up elsewhere as well yeah. uh yeah. and and that leads me to think of a couple things um one of which is that I don't believe that there is any, I kind of said this at, at the beginning, that there's no destination. Mm. We're always, you know, the, the, the New Age movement is, is very much focused and has been at least since the 60s, although one could all the way, one can go all the way back to William James for this, actually, that self-improvement is the enterprise, you know. Mm. And obviously one can get, that can become narcissism and solipsism, but one can fall into that trap. There's nothing wrong with self-improvement, of course, but if one obsesses about it, you know, one could very easily fall into egotism and, and you know, lots of things. And furthermore, one can just get caught in this endless cycle of 
well, when is one sufficiently self-improved? You know, hmm. when does that project ever, <laughs> obviously it never ends, you know, and I believe the same is true for the spiritual path in general. So I have a video on TikTok, which I've been using a lot lately to help promote the book and some of these ideas. But if those people, if there's any TikTok listeners out there, it's under New Age Wasteland. Please give me a follow and a, you know, check out some of the videos. But one of them is, it's called Enlightenment is a Scam. And my belief in that regard is that enlightenment is more often than not, I would say almost always used as a tool to manipulate and control people. So first of all, somebody making the claim, let's assume we would have to define what enlightenment means or whatever, but let's just say it's some kind of non-egoic state, some transcendence of the ego or whatever, which is it, is it possible? You know, perhaps, you know, I've not seen any evidence of it myself. The only person that I've seen person that I've met and been in contact with that has the most, that has felt and seemed the most enlightened to me is the Dalai Lama. I spent mm -hmm. some time in India and worked under him, saw him on a few occasions and met him on a few occasions. And, you know, there was always this vibe and of, of just being very humble. And I think the humility is what really came across to me. So if you're making the enlightenment claim, isn't that first of all, coming from some kind of ego place? Like mm -hmm. I am enlightened. I am, you know, better than you, but more than that, it is placing somebody above accountability, essentially. So when you, when you are making an enlightenment claim, which is true of almost every guru who has ever lived and gurus, again, are, there's a whole section, big section in the book about cults. And so yeah. if you're a cult leader or, or a guru, you make this, you generally make this claim of being enlightened. And what that does is that, it, first of all, again, it's non—it's—it's it's non verifiable. It's the face claim. You have to either take it or leave it. But more than that, it places people above accountability, such that all of their behavior can then be construed as enlightened behavior. All of the abuse, and it all, almost invariably happens: sexual abuse with the students, grift, exploitation. You know, it's all there. You know, so in some cases, some gurus we're talking about major crimes drug trafficking and you know all kinds of things but but the guru can then always justify that behavior by saying that it's done from an enlightened state you know i'm only sleeping with that student to further their spiritual growth i'm only buying all of these luxury vehicles and these mansions to show that i am completely unattached to you know it goes on and on you can justify any horrific behavior by by saying so that's why i say enlightenment is a scam you know yeah. whether or not it is actually achievable you know then you can get into sort of the philosophy of of the ego and you know many people say that we need the ego we're not not about transcending the ego unless you mean transcend and include you know we need the ego to not only to function in the world but also to reach other people if we have a message to be a charismatic speaker for example some of the most the exemplars in that category are, are people like martin luther king or jr whoever who were very egoless people, you know, at least by most standards, but also very charismatic. And, you know, so we, we need the ego as something, you know, as part of how we function and it has absolute utility. So if you're talking about getting rid, rid of the ego, that's a whole different thing. But in any case, when I hear somebody make the claim of being enlightened or even sort of hinting at it, you know, a lot of people like to playfully hint about it, not, not come out right out and say yeah. it, but just say, hmm, yeah. you'll see one day, you know, this kind yeah. of thing. I just, I feel, I have an impulse to run for the hills. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that, that is part of, 
we haven't mentioned this yet, but I was part of my motivation for writing, writing this book is I was in a cult when I was in my early 20s. That was quite some time ago. But the person that I that I was that was the guru in this particular case, it was a new age cult, Kundalini Yoga kind of thing. He never made those claims explicit. He was one of the people who kind of was a nod and a wink kind of mm. thing. But in any case, whenever I see that, you know, it, it is really a, a red flag. Right, right. Yeah, I have used this quote a few times on the podcast, but I think it's uh, appropriate here. And it's um, a line that Thoreau wrote in Walden. And it's, I've never met a man who is quite awake. If I had, how could I have looked him in the face? Um, and I like that because it's a nice reminder that even though there are a lot of claims, there are way fewer people, if any at all, that have actually achieved it, you know, achieved that awakening. And, and I'm glad that you brought up the section in your book on the cults. And maybe you can even, if you want, speak to your experience of it a little bit. But it was surprising to me because, I mean, typically, I never actually thought about cults as being part of the new age, but you provide a very exhaustive list <laughs> of new age cults. And I was wondering if you could just say maybe a little bit more about the connection between these new age cults or the new age and uh, cults. Yeah, I include a lot of new age. I would say they're mostly new in the cult section. They're, so many cults that you know i yeah. could obviously could fill a whole book with just that and and other authors have done that they've just mm. encyclopedia of cults you can, i'm sure you could find many such books so i tried to narrow it down to mostly new age ones but i also included a lot of christian cults which by the way the christian cults are for better or worse they are well obviously for worse they're they the most destructive ones at least on record you know the the, the ones who have the most casualties so I have I have that section broken down into the degree of harm that cults right, are causing. Right. So deadly cults, people have actually perished by being in this cult or participating in this cult. So obviously that includes, you know, Jim Jones and Charles Manson and you know Heaven's Gate and all of these ones that most of us have heard about and some others that a lot of us that I hadn't heard about. And then there's the cults that are the abusive cults that have to do with generally abuse, psychological and sexual abuse, which is huge category. And then there are the sort of questionable cults where they, they just have spreading a lot of ideas that I believe are toxic and that are, you know, ultimately, yeah, harmful. And then there are the ones sort of like, you know, let's, let's, I think I call them dubious, like, is mm. this a cult or is this, right. you know, realism, for example, this kind of a UFO cult would be one example of that. It doesn't seem to be harming anybody. But some of these ideas are just, okay, you know, take them for what you will, you know, again, what is the utility of believing in that a person is an extraterrestrial? You know, I don't know. And then, so yeah, I, I was in a cult. It was not in, in the first category, although one could definitely argue that it was abusive. I myself kind of got off the hook fairly easily because it was a sex cult. And so just by virtue of me being a male, it was, you know, not as, I didn't have to be as vulnerable, I think, as the female members in the group and some of whom were my friends. And they, they have, I think they, they suffered more than I did in terms of the long-term damage. Uh, in fact, there were, I write about this in the book, there were many aspects to being in that group that were actually beneficial 
you know, I didn't find the so-called physical work to be beneficial, but the guru was actually pretty well informed when it came to psychology and, and the history of religion, religion in general. He'd obviously read many books about religion. And so he was knowledgeable and being in my early twenties and I was hungry for that kind of information. I, I found that beneficial, but ultimately he used the same kind of tactics that all cults use, which have to do with, you know, creating an in-group and an out-group and trying to make one again feel special that they're that they're in the group doing all of love bombing that's a typical tactic of you know we've been waiting for you for so long you're part of this group you we were always meant to be part of this group you oh we're so excited you're here which happens even in mlms which is another kind of cult multi-level marketing groups and all mm -hmm. kinds of groups but yeah the there was one other thing i was going to say about cults and it just went 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 out went out the window well that's okay i wrote something down that I thought was really important that you noted in the book. And that, and I think that you were quoting someone else, a cult expert, Kathleen Mann, but that's nobody joins a cult. People join groups that align with their beliefs and values and offer opportunities for growth, learning, inspiration, camaraderie, and mutual support. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important thing to notice, to, to understand that nobody joins a cult. Cults are not, they don't have a big, sign on their front door that says, right. come join our cult. You know, it's, right. it's, it's a process of indoctrination and again, other dynamics of cutting off information from the outside world and so on. One is lured into the cult in under false pretenses. So the best right. way that I have found to think about cults, because some people think I've heard the opinion expressed, like only weak-minded people join cults or only, mm. you know, only suckers join cults or whatever. And uh, unfortunately, that's not true. Again, you're lured in under false pretenses. And the, the best way to think about it in order to have some measure of compassion for people who join cults is that it's like an abusive relationship. Mm. So that's really the best way to think about it is like a domestic a partnership where uh, one member, let's just assume statistically it's the man, the man in a federal relationship, is, is abusive. And that it's not like he, you know, on the first date, he's like, by the way, I'm abusive. I'm going to abuse you. <laughs> you know, that's not, you know, it's, that's not what happens. The, the person is lured in under false pretenses. I'm the nice guy. I'm, you know, I can control my temper, all these other, you know, all these other shows of, of, of his good side. And then when the bad stuff starts coming out and the threats and the, you can't leave me or I'll kill you. And all, all these other things that uh, are the same dynamics that, that happen in, in, in other, in cults. When that starts happening, the person finds it very, very difficult to leave. So that's one of the, in fact, definitions of a cult is that it's a very insular situation. Once you've cut yourself off from the outside world, which is, again, something that abusive partners do, they, you can't talk to your friends or your family, you can't call, you know, there's this isolating element. So again, to think about, think about it in that way, I found it to be, to be very useful. Yeah. yeah. And again, to not, to not fall into that trap of thinking that only idiots. Right. right, right. And it's not, you know, and cults obviously aren't just new age. There are a variety of cults and it is interesting that a lot of the things, a lot of the criticisms uh, levied against new age can be levied against other traditions as well. That, you know, some things are unique to the new age, of course, but some things are not. But, you know, we're starting to run out of time here and we've been critiquing the new age 
And I thought that maybe we can end with talking about some of the positives. What are some of the things that the new age gets right? Yeah, in the book, I have, I sort of wait till the last chapter and I say, we've gone through all of this. We've waded through all of this, the cults and the conspiracy theories and the COVID disinformation and the conspirituality and all that. And, you know, what's left. And I, I actually borrow five points from Mitch Horowitz, who I, who you mentioned earlier, yeah. who I didn't know before talking to you that, that he identifies a new ager because his book is called Occult America. It's very right, much right. the occult. And he really actually doesn't even mention the phrase new age until the, the very end. I mean, it's literally the last couple yeah. of pages. And he's basically saying that all of these cult, many of these cult ideas that have, have their origins in, in the U.S. Um, have been folded into the general, into the mainstream. They have been accepted as, as basically true. And so I go through these point by point and, you know, the mind-body connection and um, other things that he talks about. And we could go through them point, point, point. But in this case, uh, I just want to speak to what's relevant, most relevant to me, hmm. which is really the core, um, one of the core teachings of, of, or the core, maybe it's just the more an approach, an epistemological approach that the new age embraces, which is that religion, spirituality is a deeply personal affair. It is, you know, the, the, the new age idea that you are free to investigate and explore other avenues of spirituality that are not the religion into which you were born mm. that to me is has been it's been hugely liberating to me and i believe it's probably been hugely liberating to to lots of other people who find themselves in the new age milieu that to me is one of the key takeaways the other thing that i would note is that new age for the most part embraces some of the core scientific ideas that have transpired since all of these axial age religions were established. So Judaism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, you know, all of those were founded in the sort of 500 years, 600 years before Christ, all at roughly, roughly the same time. I mean, when we look at the span of human history, we can say roughly. Uh, Islam was actually a little bit later after the death of Christ and so on. But nevertheless, these, these traditions did not they were not aware at the time these holy books were written and uh, the main um, avatars of these religions came forth nobody was aware of things like evolution or the big bang or you know or how old the earth was for example so we have the christian traditional christian idea or fundamentals of christian idea that the earth was only six thousand years old or whatever you know and that it was created in sort of one fell swoop uh, we know that's not true. Um, we know scientifically that there is no evidence for that. And there is scads, you know, mountains of evidence for the contrary, that we live in a universe that's roughly 14.7 billion years old and an earth that's about four and a half billion years old. And that the process of evolution began with simpler life forms and complexified and complexified and, and human beings you know, evolved from other with alongside other primates and, you know, et cetera. So that we know those facts. And for the most part, new agers accept those as, as, as a reality, as a given. And that, that is huge. That's actually a, that's actually, it's not as significant. It's, it makes a lot of difference that, you know, you'll see, you'll see a lot of 
what I call conspiracy theories about ancient aliens and so on, that actually what happened was that human beings were seeded with extraterrestrial DNA and that's how we got the modern humans. And if that hadn't happened, uh, everyone would look like Bigfoot right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, this is actually, these are straight up out of the book teachings. You know, there's a lot of, again, this unhealthy relationship or this conflicting sibling rivalry, you might say, between um, science and religion. It, it comes up in all contexts, but for the most part, I can make a general statement, feel fairly confident that most New Agers believe in these basic scientific truths of the origin of the universe and, and evolution. Those are especially important because the, at least the Abrahamic religions, which is sort of the culture that we mostly find ourselves in, they, they have a cosmology that is believes that essentially human beings were were more or less placed into this container they you know the, the earth was made and the firmament and all, all that and then there were, and then we were placed here this is our this is a stage right and that ends up making a huge amount of difference because the the thing that that leads that leads to essentially a, a devaluing of the earth ultimately i mean you'll see in 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 genesis all about you know God made man in his image and then gave him dominion over all the creatures. And so there's an idea prevalent throughout Christianity and especially so in evangelicalism, the idea that the earth is ours to sort of lay waste to it if we want to, you know, it's, it's, it's our, and, and here we find ourselves in the middle of an ecological crisis, existential crisis that has social ramifications, political, economic ramifications, all of that, that are basically tied to this essential reality that they are the earth system that we are living on is is breaking down and so that's causing down the breakdown of other systems as well so at the end of the day that's to me one of the most important things to bear in mind as we move through the world is that we are in the midst of this crisis and part of what has brought us here is this this kind of thinking of like the earth is is here for us humans it's only it's only a way station it's it's a it's a proving ground a testing a moral battleground you know one of my favorite thinkers joanna macy has a book called A World as Lover, World as Self that talks very much about this, how our worldview, I mean, this is literally our view of the world, how that influences human behavior and the systems and institutions that we put in place. So again, that's not, it's not insignificant. It's to have a, a cosmology that embraces the, at least the core understandings of science, you know, that the earth revolves around the sun and basic things like this which are not present again in, in these early holy books it's it's hugely important because again that's that's where i'm coming from is just having this deep concern for our ecological moment in fact my first book the four global truths which you mentioned is very much about the ecological crisis and how exactly what i'm talking about that's in fact the premise of the book is how these ideas from mostly from these abrahamic traditions but elsewhere as well, have contributed to our um, ecological crisis. Um, well, it yeah, seems like, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it seems like, you know, one of the notes or points on the woo meter, I wouldn't consider it woo. And that's the idea that everything is interconnected. That's inherently ecological. And, and, and I also think that this idea of self-improvement is helpful to this extent because the climate crisis that we're facing is a moral crisis in many ways and we need to rise to the game and one of the criticisms that 
I've had for a long time is the claim, and I kind of see it as coming out of new age um, or deeply connected to it, is if you want to change the world, change yourself. And I often would say, and I've changed it my, or my position on this, but I used to say, well, okay, but maybe if you want to change yourself, work to change the world. Because I saw that that focus on the self could lead to what you had discussed earlier, this sort of solipsism or narcissism. But now I see it as both. You know, now I see it as both. And you write this, I think, towards the end of the book. And I just wanted to read this other quote because I think you get it exactly right. And what you wrote was, I humbly suggest that we spiritual but not religious types can step off the wheel occasionally, if not permanently, to cast our gaze not upward or inward, but outward to the world around us. There we will find that which most needs our attention and care our beloved family and friends, our communities, the greater human family, the extended earth community, and the planet itself, the precious and sacred foundation of life. Yeah, thank you. I forgot I've written that. I, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, that's a core, it's a core idea. I'm glad you you brought this up. Maybe it's an excellent point to, a place to end and, and wrap it yeah. up is this, just this idea of interdependence. You know, that's, yeah. um, people in the new age say everything's connected, but they also have so many, there's so many varying interpretations of what that means. Right. And what I, what I don't see is a way that that core insight is really taken to heart. So I guess the most obvious example would be kind of what we're just talking about is, is one, one's worldview. If you view the world as separate from you, that entails a certain kind of behavior. You, your actions will play out in a particular way. But if you see the world as part of you, you are the world, world as lover, world as self. You know, if you're, if your your sense of interconnection runs that deep, then I think you will have a mature and well-informed spirituality, because it will break down that division that you are just talking about between inner work and outer work. You know, how can there be any difference if we are all interconnected and if all things are connected? My working on myself is the same as working on, and there's no priority that one oh make sure you work on yourself first and then again that point where where yourself is sufficiently improved to then work on the world is never going to come you will just be you will fall on you will you will find yourself trapped on that treadmill that you just mentioned the treadmill of self-improvement step off the treadmill and and realize that you have everything that it takes right now to work on the world and be involved in the world um and this is probably a good time also to mention that uh, there are lots of different ways to get involved in the world, you know, uh, outside of uh, direct political activism that we're used to thinking about when we think about change the world, you know, that has its place, but there are other ways to, uh, to uh, bring forward positive change and to be the change um, and to elicit the change, you know, don't just be the change, but also help others become the change. The, Joanna Macy, again, has her, her wording for what we're going through. Her conception is called the Great Turning. And in the Great Turning, we are turning from an industrial growth society to a life-preserving society, a life-sustaining society. And in her conception, again, there are, in her model, there are three different spheres that one could work within to help facilitate the Great Turning. 
And the first of which is exactly this kind of uh, political activism. She calls them holding actions that are essentially the message to the world destroying machinery, you might say, to just stop. You know, this is the people who are out in the streets and protesting and, and tying themselves to trees and, and, and all of that, you know, and, and there is obviously an important, it's, it serves an important role, if not just to buy us some time, you know, every time that a, another, you know, so-called development project or some dam or something is, is opposed and put off, you know, we have that much more time to develop, work on other tactics. And th that, those include building a new structures. So that would include uh, different ways that we actually live in the world and the way we conduct business with each other. So that could include obviously changing our economic system. I would be in favor of that. I'm much more of a socialist than a capitalist for sure. But then also it includes just things like farmers markets versus supermarkets and permaculture versus monoculture, you know, just different ways to approach what we're doing that are not as destructive and that may even be sustainable. And then finally, you have the third sphere, which is change of consciousness. So this is what we we're just talking about, is that these ideas, this a worldview to, into which most of us have been born, changing that to what people are just calling the new paradigm, or some people are calling the new, the new earth or whatever, you know, just as a side note, the, the, there is a belief going on right now, which is that within the new age, that the earth is actually splitting in two. And there is something called the new earth and the old earth. And some people actually, Bashar is one of the people who teaches it, that is actually physically happening, mm. not just energetically, but physically there are two earths. And never mind the fact that we would all instantly be dead. But, you know, there, this is honestly like, so, but the reason I mentioned it is because it is so, it's a new age idea, but it, again, it is so much caught up in the old way of thinking, old patriarchal religion, you know, it's, it's, it's world denying, it's, it's, it's escapist, it's basically mm -hmm. like, well, we messed up this world, so we're just going to pretend that we have another world to it, you know, yeah. and as many environmentalists say, there is no planet B, you know, there right. is, this is, this is it, so again, there's so many uh, strands of this in the new age, this kind of escapism, this kind of checking out this ascension and i'm i'm very much into a, a grounded spirituality that's that's essentially what i what i advocate is a, a, a spirituality that is grounded in both in science as we've been talking about at least which is not to say science becomes your new religion but rather that it informs mm -hmm. your beliefs and that it is not a conspiracy that it's an actual uh, epistemological you know way of understanding the world uh, again the best we have and so that would inform, you know, it's, it's, it would inform even one's spiritual practices. You know, there's a lot of scientific evidence between that support the uh, beneficial nature of yoga and meditation, for example. So things that are grounded in practices that are grounded in this kind of scientific understanding, I would say, go for it. You know, if you're looking for, you know, a practice or a belief system, you know, let's at least start there. You know, if you want to branch out into more woo over time but if you you know we have to all start with this foundation that includes this grounded spirituality and also grounded in the earth as i said you know the earth is our we are earthlings we are cellular on a cellular level we are we are some of our you know components of our bodies come from the stars yes but we were we were born in this cauldron we evolved within this in in co in concert with all the other beings on earth and we are integrally part of the earth you know we are not separable from it 
and grounding one's spirituality in that. I mean, you could even say that the earth is our primary source of spiritual inspiration. It's where we get our sense of belonging. It's where we get our, you know, our, our wonder and our, our sense of beauty. You know, there's the wonder and beauty in the stars, of course, as well, but most of it is here surrounding us, you know, and, and the sooner that we fall in love with that and allow ourselves to be moved by the beauty that we see around us, the, the better we are going to be at protecting that we protect that which we love, you know, we, right. whether that is our, our family members or, or what have you, you know, so that's my, at the end of my day, that's, that's the suggestion is, is that we learn to fall in love with the world and again fall in love with each other as a community um of earth beings um it's a challenge but that's where we're at all right right yeah no i agree with you quite a bit so i know that we are just about out of time here so let me ask you one what are you working on next what have you got coming up that's interesting. Yeah. Hadn't thought about it. I, I, I was faced with the same question after I wrote my first book and I was yeah. actually remember that my, this was the four global truths. And this was the book that was actually published by a publisher, North Atlantic books. And I was sitting in the, in the office with the, with the publisher or at least publisher's assistant or somebody. And they asked me, they said, well, what, what's your next book about? And I had not, <laughs> hadn't considered it. <laughs> I said, well, it'll probably be similar. I keep revisiting very similar themes about basically we're in the middle of this crisis and what do we do about it? And what are some hmm. bad ideas that we could have? You know, my second book was self-published. That was called Overcoming Empire, A User's Guide to Personal and Global Revolution. So that was, there was a lot in that. And there's a lot of Buddhism in there as well, but it, it's essentially a critique of, of capitalism hmm. and how it is inherently unsustainable and, and so on. But to answer your question, I don't know. I'm currently <laughs> working on getting these kinds of messages out there through social media, basically promoting the book, but also just promoting right. the shift in consciousness, because that's where I feel most at home. You know, right. I, I support permaculture. I live in community and we have gardening and, and all of that. And mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And I feel very fortunate about that. Um, but in terms of where my nerdiness is best uh, applied, it has to do with these uh, big ideas and and uh, philosophy and um and in this case having to do with critiquing a movement that i've been part of for decades which again has some great parts to it and in other ways really falls short yeah but uh, any, anybody who's interested in the social media aspect as i said i'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff on tiktok these days mostly okay. because I like the interface as a really excellent yeah. editing tool. Like when you record a video, you can edit it on the fly and add music mm -hmm. and special effects. It's really cool. And sort of got involved as just sort of like, let's see what this is all about. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But in terms of what I'm going to do for my next project or writing project, I'm, I'm not sure. If I had to guess, I would imagine it has a lot to do with deconstructing. Because mm -hmm. that, that's what I'm seeing as my new sort of spiritual enterprise deconstruct and what i mean by that is deconstructing from harmful ideas that ha have been taught to me through my culture mm. and so that obviously includes uh deconstructing from patriarchy uh and toxic masculinity and all the stuff that i've fed and and am complicit in to some degree and i want to 
get those things, those toxic ideas out of myself as much as possible. Maybe part of it is just coming to an acceptance of that. But it's also, I think one can do work on deconstructing from, from patriarchy, from capitalism, from uh, racism, of course, and internalized racism and white supremacy and you know, all the stuff that we, we we get fed. So so in a sense, my my focus is, um, you could say it's more political, but it's also, to me, it's a very deep, deeply spiritual enterprise because it entails a lot of a lot of humility and a lot of rough patches and a lot of you know encountering one's shadow and, and shame and all kinds of things that to me are, are spiritual traits or at least it takes a, a certain amount of willingness to go through some very very uncomfortable feelings because one realizes when when you're deconstructing not only how deep some of these beliefs go but but all the various ways in which again that you've been complicit and, yeah. and have helped participate and you know certainly as a as a cis man i i have you know a lot to work on in that department of of you know beliefs that i i didn't, didn't even know that i had or that i you know and i can go back through various episodes of my life and just think oh my goodness you know <laughs> that was yeah. that was some abysmal behavior you know so it's that kind of investigation and really right. sort of pulling out at the roots and one might say you know if you're not interested in that i would humbly suggest that therapy can do much of <laughs> much of the same thing you know and right. unfortunately that's uh, something that there there's a lot of spiritual bypass in the new age community which is sort of jumping past the difficult things into the love and light and high vibes right and again as a grounded spirituality i'm saying let's not do that At the very least let's stay in therapy you know mm. do your ayahuasca or whatever but also stay in therapy you know yeah. like let's integrate these these things yeah integration is key <laughs> integration yeah. is always key mm -hmm. well i i know that there are a lot of areas we could have gone but you know time constraints keeps us limited but i enjoyed the conversation and i very much enjoyed the book the book's available on amazon is that correct Okay. Um, I'll put a link uh, for it in the show notes in the video description. Uh, you're you. on TikTok. Is there any other social media that uh, you're on that I can uh, include in the, uh, in the video? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I did. I did. I just haven't been using it that much lately okay. because I've almost made this complete transition. Well, you're uh, probably wise for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, the, the social media thing is, is such an interesting phenomenon, right? You know, yeah. having to do with, Certain age groups are in this one. Certain other age groups right. are in this one. I sort of right. skipped over Instagram and went right to from Facebook to yeah, yeah. Facebook. But yeah, the book's available, both hardcover and new ebook if you want an instant download. Either way is fine with me. One of them, some people really like the feeling of having a book in your hands. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I also understand the appeal, both environmentally and psychologically, of, of having a, right. one click and you're already reading yeah. the first page. Yeah. Well, whatever the spirit moves that you to work on next, I look forward to it and hopefully we can speak again at that point or even sooner, but Darren, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated it. And again, I appreciate your work and having the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, thank you so much. And congratulations on your hundredth show again. And I appreciate oh, the yeah. work that you do as well <laughs> to bring these ideas to, to light. I know that you've, you've had a lot of guests on here who we we both might say a little bit more into woo territory. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you with the more critical 
you know, analytical yeah. grounded conversation. I very much appreciate the opportunity to share these ideas. Oh yeah. People oh, yeah. resonate with at least some of it. Yeah. And it was important for me to do that. I, and maybe it's my training in academia, traditional academia, but credibility is important to me and uh, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, I've had some guests where I'm like, <laughs> but I've usually been able to maneuver the conversation in ways that I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I can be okay with this. But I think the ideas have to be explored one way or the other. And I think there's great value in being critical of them and asking these questions as we've talked about. Is it true? Yeah. Is it so, true? And is it helpful? Yeah. Is it true? And is it helpful? Well, Darren, uh, until the next time, I will look forward to whatever you come up with next. Thank you. And thanks again for doing what you're doing. Take care. And that's a wrap on episode 100 of Rebel Spirit Radio. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has joined me on this journey to reach 100 episodes. I am so very grateful to everyone who has subscribed to Rebel Spirit Radio on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, or who has subscribed to the YouTube channel, which recently reached 1,000 subscribers. And thank you to everyone who has left a review or shared the podcast on social media. I am deeply humbled. As I mentioned in this week's episode, I have been considering the first 100 episodes as practice, and that's how I'm going to view the next 100. My goal is to produce the best podcast I can and be the best host I can be. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And now, the usual. If you would like to support my work here on Rebel Spirit Radio and please support my work, then sign up for my Patreon. Some of the perks for patrons include early access to videos, shout-outs to members, a members-only Facebook page, access to the Rebel Spirit Radio Discord server, and a monthly book club where we explore books discussed on the podcast, spiritual and philosophical classics, and books related to the cocktail apocalypse. I mean, remember, I am a professor of philosophy and religious studies, so consider the book club an ongoing classroom where you can go as deep as you want with me and other rebel spirits. Patreon is also going to be starting uh, free memberships in the next few weeks, so I'll be posting quite a bit of material on the site that is available to everyone. So please take a moment to sign up for my Patreon. You can find a link for the Patreon in the show notes or video descriptions. And of course, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can still do so via PayPal. I still have big plans for the podcast and the YouTube channel. Right now, this is all a labor of love, so your support will not only help me in continuing what I do here, but will also help me grow the channel and the podcast. I'm going to continue with the Cocktail Apocalypse live stream, and I plan to create at least one more this coming year. I'm also going to be creating more video content for the YouTube channel, and uh, I'm also working on putting together a few classes. This is going to take a lot of time and work, so I will be tremendously grateful for any support that you can provide. 
Another way that you can help the podcast is to share it with friends, family members, coworkers, share it on social media. That really is one of the best ways you can help and support the podcast. Help me grow my audience. As I always like to say, I'm here in the uh, front range now doing missionary work in regards to religion, spirituality and ecology, psychedelics and consciousness, and how all of this can help us heal humanity's relationship with the sacred earth. So if you feel moved by the rebel spirit, and I sure hope that you do, then please, by all means, help me share the good news. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. It only takes a second and your five-star ratings really do help, especially if you listen on Apple. If you have a minute to spare, please consider posting a short but positive review. And please subscribe. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed when I upload new content. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to or watching Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be at peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your Rebel Spirit.